Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Monday, February 17, 2020, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 90. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph, which begins with, Sometimes it is wise to wait, and ends with, If he cares to see you. Today's readers are Tamara C., Stacy J., Lisa B., Do L., I mean, and Russ M. The share ID number for yesterday, Sunday, February 16th, 2020 special edition meeting is 14,127. That's one, four, one, two, seven. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tamara C. to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. It's Tamara C. in Charleston, South Carolina. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God removed all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you for letting me do service today. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Tamara C. I will now ask Stacy J. to read the OA 12 tradition. Good morning. This is Stacy J., recovered food addict from Toronto, Canada. Uh, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he, next, he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you, Stacy J. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book and we are in chapter seven, working with others on page 90. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph, which begins with, sometimes it is wise to wait and ends with, if he cares to see you. I will now ask Lisa B. to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. 
Sometimes it is wise to wait till he goes on a binge. The family may object to this, but unless he is in a dangerous physical condition, it is better to risk it. Don't deal with him when he is very drunk unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of the spree, of the spree, or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You should be described to him as one of a fellowship who is part of their own recovery. Try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. Um, I was thinking about the family, how they may object to this. And, you know, the family can sometimes coddle us and treat us in an overprotective way. But someone in whom the problem has been solved, has, that has a real understanding of this illness and being on the other side through these 12 steps and is recovered, you know, they, they are going to be more direct and, and able to help. And um, in the doctor's opinion, it says that it's vital that the person be clear. Bill wrote that. Why? It says he may be more receptive. Oh, my notes are all messed up here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so nervous. Um, okay. He may be more receptive and able to understand what is being presented to him. So the the other reason that it's good to wait sometimes when they go on a binge is because they may be more receptive when they're depressed. I wrote all my notes down as quickly as I could before this reading, and um, I don't know why I got so nervous, but I did. Um, let's see here. It says, uh, I, I, it's like my mind went totally blank. I am so sorry. My mind went totally blank. Um, it says, you should be described to him as one of a fellowship who is part of their own recovery. Try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. And in the doctor's opinion, Dr. Silkworth is describing Bill, and it says that as part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to carry this message to others. And it's vital that I let people know that this is part of my rehabilitation. So I'm not so much really, you know, trying to convert them or help them, but they are, in fact, helping me by allowing me to try to carry this message to them. And then I was thinking about, and there is a solution, where it says um, that I am properly armed with the facts about myself. And I can give clear directions. You know, I know how to give clear directions. I don't know how to just give solutions to relief or the tools of the program. Um, let's see here. Um, oh, unless he is very drunk. I find it very difficult to, to speak with other fellows that are high on the food. I mean, it, it's really useless. They might even be combative. But... It's just better to speak with them when they have some clarity. And you know, the other thing is when it says, um, try to help others. It says here, as part of their own recovery, they try to help others and will be glad to talk to them if he cares to see you. And I was thinking in Bill's story, Ebby, it says he came to pass on his experience to me if I came to have it. And I want to try and carry this message in a relaxed and calm way. You know, if they care to have it, I don't need to be so invested on whether or not they get it. But God is teaching me a lesson here that um, I don't know what the lesson is, but I need to listen to what you guys have to say. And uh, that's all that I have. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B., for getting us started. If you haven't been in this meeting, 
I'll wait one second. If you haven't shared in this meeting in the past couple of days and would like to share on the third paragraph on page 90 in the big book, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. And who was something D? Hannah D. Hannah D. L. Ginger C. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I just don't write that fast. So all I have is Hannah D, Santa H, and Duell. And who was next? Ginger C. Oh, Ginger C. And then there's another voice. Amy G. Amy G. Thanks. Okay. And was anyone else trying again to get in or would like to get into this first list? Dorita P. Dorita P. Okay, wait one second. I heard Dorita P, I believe. And who else? Teresa P. Teresa P. Okay, so Dorita, is your last initial P or is it something else? It's P like Paul. You got it. Oh, two P's. Okay. Okay, two P's in a pod today. We've got <laughs> Hannah D, Santa H, Du L, Ginger C, Amy G, Dorita P, and Teresa P. And with that, I will um, stop for this you know, grouping, and Hannah D., go right ahead. Good morning. This is Hannah D., gratefully recovering one day at a time. Thank you so much for your service. Um, so great to be on. I haven't shared in this meeting in a really long time. Um, I think the – I actually had someone who came to me yesterday whose um, partner um, is an addict and – she was really in crisis and really distressed. And she's like, I have to have a plan. I have to have a plan. And I basically, I didn't read her this paragraph, but it's so interesting. It's coming up this morning. But I guess I told her the right thing. Let's wait. We need to wait until he um, he, he was at he was at his most dangerous point. And I said, he needs to come down. We need to wait. And then we can approach him because they need to be able to see what happened, how critical it was, how bad it was, um, all the effects, effects, you know, he really needs to be lucid. She wanted to get down, sit down in the room with him and have these discussions. I'm like, he's not sober. Um, and we, and I can so relate to that, that when I'm not, um, you know, in my, in my days of not being abstinent, in those days when I was an abstinent, I was crazy woman. I was just all over the place. And you couldn't talk to me. And you couldn't be rational with me. And only when I can come down from a high was someone able to approach me. Was someone able to say, hey, let's get you some help. Um, and so when we're reaching out to others, when we're working with our sponsees, when we see someone in dire need, um, it might be hard to do this, but it really is so critical because no one, no one can talk sense when they're high um, on food, on any, on any um, addiction of choice. I'm so grateful to be on the line this morning. I've had a rough few weeks, and I know part of um, my recovery is just getting on the line, sharing, doing service, um, and taking all that you so many people on the side have such strong recovery, and I love hearing what you have to say. So hope everyone has a nice vacation day, and um, with that, I pass. Thanks, Hannah B. Santa H. Good morning, my fellows, and thank you to Team Monday for your service. 
Uh, my name is Santa A. from the Grateful Recovery and Covering Compulsive Overeaters, calling in from New Jersey. And what struck me about this paragraph, it reminds me of how I was when I first came in here. Um, you know, I know when I was stoked on the food, when I <clears throat> felt super, um, I didn't want to hear the message. Um, I could not hear the message. As much as I may have wanted to, I just was too drunk to understand. And so I had that kind of compassion when I'm working with others today and realize that um, so much talking can make them feel more frustrated. And so I try to be calm and allow them to share their experience, strength, and hope or whatever's on their heart um, before I delve into the work. I try to be compassionate and loving towards them, but I also keep in mind of where they are at, at the moment. And so I often ask them to, um, you know, are you ready to put down the food? And they say yes, and realizing it's, it's sensing and that the pain of eating is far greater. I mean, it's, it's the pain of eating is less than the, the pain of wanting to stop eating so that they're willing to do the work. And so I'm listening for that, and I'm intuitively tuning in my ear for, for such a, a, a moment of where they have that lucid interval that I'm able to carry this message to them again if they care to want it. So the whole purpose here is to try to help others. And I'm glad to help anyone who wants to stop eating. Um, And unfortunately, I can't be helpful to everybody, but I certainly can be helpful to those who are ready. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Santa H. Do L. Good morning. This is Stu L. Recover Compulsible Reader. I absolutely love this paragraph because this paragraph is, is designed and specifically for the newcomer. And it says, you know, um, if the newcomer comes and he cries and cries and wants you to listen to them, but don't want to do the work, um, previous paragraph says, leave them alone, right? But this is about, you know, step one is about hitting that bottom. And it's not about, you know, helping them to be more in pain. Um, Why more in pain? Because if they're more in pain, they're more likely to look for a solution. Um, And it has two questions. It has two questions for the newcomer. It says, if, uh, if he wants to quit for good, you know, so that that's one of the questions I asked the, the sponsee initially. Do you want to quit for good? I mean, are you not going to be playing games? Are you not like going to be, you know, picking up these um, key food ingredients back again? And if you want to quit for good, are you willing to go to any extreme to do so? And the extreme that most compulsive readers have initially is being entirely abstinent. That's the extreme. That's radical for the compulsive overeater. <laughs> you know, that concept of being entirely abstinent, I don't think even in program, we understand that fully to its ramification of what it is to be entirely abstinent. And it says, if that be the case, then you turn your attention to the recovered person. The recovered person is just a guide. It's not gonna be your higher power. It's not gonna be the one that, that gives, you know, that it's the solution for you. It's gonna take you to the solution, but it's not your solution. 
Um, and, and then the person who is recovered is going to take you through the process of seeing what the fellowship can offer and how to take these steps in the order that they are designed to, to help you to get relief from that physical and mental obsession. You know, and I love that because I initially, when I talk to sponsee, I have a serious conversation. I say, you know, I'm going to hear your story out and that's great. But after that, I'm going to ask you these two questions and you have to make a decision because you see, when you come in with the idea or the lurking notion that you're still going to pick up those foods, I say, don't waste your time. Don't waste my time and don't waste the time of somebody else that really wants to get this. You know, so I put the responsibility back on us, Fonsi, because it says, you know, you're powerless, you're not helpless. And here it puts the responsibility on the sponsee, on a newcomer to recover. It is not the responsibility of the sponsor to help them to recover. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Joelle. Ginger C. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service. This is Ginger C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And why is it wise to wait till he goes on this binge? And, you know, I think the reality for a lot of us, and I think I can just definitely share from my experience, strength, and hope is that I was not done until I was done. And thank God for these binges. You know, 32 tells me that it may be worth a bad case of the jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. Until you can see to your innermost self, you're going nowhere. And thank God for these binges. Thank God for the research. Because what convinces me but those beautiful bites that I had to take? And I have to take every one until I'm done. And the reality is, is that I wanted some relief. I wanted to lose some weight. But was I really shutting the back door? Was I really giving up on the food? Was I really willing to say goodbye in a way that I never had before this entire abstinence? And then go for victory. You know, it says at the bottom, you know, willing to go to any lengths for this victory. It takes a lot of work. A price has to be paid. Recovery is not easy. But what choice do I have when I'm really done and I'm really convinced? I don't care what I have to do. I don't want to eat again. Tell me. Help me. Show me. You obviously are doing something and it's working because you're telling me you're doing this happily. I want that. But again, thank God for that binge. And it's so hard to let him go. You know, my job is not to coach you and convince you. The food should have done that work for you. You should be done. And if you're not, go back and try some more controlled eating and stopping and see where you go. See what happens. Because until, again, you get to that place where you really realize and you really see this disease for what it is and you give it the credit it deserves, it's just going to be taking you back out. It's going to be that option. And if it's the option, it's my only option. Things will happen. Life won't be working. I'm uncomfortable in my own skin. I need that effect. I need it at once. It lasts for those six to eight seconds, but I don't care. I'm willing to sell everything just to get out of my own skin for a few seconds. Until again, until I'm done from that research, from those beautiful bites, from all those binges that I had to take. 
So let them eat. If they're not done, don't stay and try to convince them. Again, who's sicker than who in this program? And be ready, like you just said, be ready for that person who is ready and willing to go to any lengths. You would not want to miss them. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Ginger C. Amy G. Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I don't think I'm going to say anything new here, but it bears repeating. In the beginning of the paragraph, it says sometimes it's wise to wait until he goes on a binge. And that's, you know, uncomfortable. Sometimes we do have to let them go ahead and binge because who does the convincing? I, I as a sponsor, am not here to convince you that you're a compulsive overeater. The sponsee is the only one that can decide that for themselves. And this goes along with what they're talking about on page 31 in the chapter more about alcoholism. We don't like to pronounce any individual as an alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the present or nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide. If you are honest with yourself about it, it may be worth a bad case of the jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. It says, we learned we had to concede fully to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. My job is to be there when you are ready, not when you are still thinking that there is an opportunity there that the food's going to do something for you. And, uh, and, and that's a difficult, sometimes hard to discern what is frothy emotional appeal from a sponsee or a potential sponsee and someone who has really said, I concede to my innermost self that I am who I say I am. And, and sometimes that takes a bit of a process. But the reality is, is that if you are not convinced as a potential sponsee or as a sponsee, I can't convince you. That is something that is between you and the food. And uh, until that actually happens, my job is to still be in a maximum service. It, and it brings that up in the, in the paragraph, to be, be recommend a person who has recovered. There's that word again, recovered, which means that for me to be in a position to help the person who truly is ready to give it up, I have to be recovered myself. I have to be abstinent. I have to have worked the 12 steps. And I have to be in a position where I can be of maximum service. And that's in a recovered status where I am restored to sanity from my compulsive overeating and be ready for when that person is ready. That is my job and that's my purpose and it is an honor, and I'm so grateful to be able to be in a position to do that. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy G. Dorita P., before you share, I just want to let anyone who got on the meeting late to know that we read from the third paragraph on page 60 that begins, Sometimes It Is Wise. Dorita P., thank you for waiting. Sure. Thank you. Uh, for your service. Hi, my name is Dorita P. from uh, Cleveland, and I'm a recovered um, compulsive overeater. And it's a privilege and honor to be at a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, Everybody do not get this opportunity for whatever reason, and so I'm really grateful I have a seat here. Yeah, um, this is uh, really good stuff, and it really just, in a nutshell, tells us um, kind of like who to work with 
and um, like Santa said, um, she listens, and I, I listen too, and I listen for, um, I guess, the desperation, um, because if a person is not desperate, you know, somebody else said, you know, being uh, abstinent is like radical, like, uh, so if a person is not ready um, or willing, um, because, you know, I, um, you know, I'm sure none of us, uh, well, I could just speak for myself. I I didn't want to give up the food, um, but you guys um, told me that it was, told me and showed me that there was a better way to live. Um, and also, I think what's missing sometimes in some of our meetings is, I know it's missing in our meetings, and I used to hear it when I first came around, and so now it's my turn to share it. Um, they shared the, um, I guess, the fatalness, if that's a word, um, how fatal the disease, uh, how fatal and how progressive the disease is. So um, I knew I wasn't going to get any better, um, and it was just, really good that they shared that. I mean, I felt so, I guess, afraid that, you know, if I left a meeting and went to McDonald's, then I was going to, like, die. You know, they said, you know, you're going to die. Um, and I'm just really grateful for this program. Um, so uh, I'll just pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Dorita P. Teresa and then we'll take more names. Hi, uh, my name is Teresa P, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, uh, you know, I'm really uh, grateful that we're doing this paragraph today because it's always a part that has confused me and uh, about, uh, you know, how do I know uh, when they're ready? And I was really grateful that uh, my sponsor gave me those questions like, you know, you know, are you a real compulsive overeater? And I get to answer that question. And are you willing to go to any lengths? And uh, my, and, and I was, I knew when I, when, and I wasn't asked those questions until I got in the vision and I'd been in program for about 25 years. But I knew when I came into program that I was a compulsive overeater. And I knew I was dying and I was desperate and I was willing to do the work. And I see today that that was the difference uh, that I needed to have in order to do the work, whatever the work I received at the time was, which is what I did. And, you know, and I have to allow others that same journey. And it's so hard for me because, you know, I have – you know, here I have something that works, you know, come on and join. And I can offer, but I get to remember it's their choice. And right now I am working with somebody who's, you know, is having difficulties. And, you know, I just, it's so hard for me to let go. And I get to let go. And because I want to jump on the bandwagon and I want to convince them. And I can't. There's nothing I can say. And um, yesterday I got an opportunity to 
uh, share with this person one more time. And I just got to be kind and loving, you know, and just and uh, just get uh, just get to say, you know, you know, just like, you know, I can't convince them, and I didn't, I didn't say that, but I got to see it more than I've ever seen it before. If I cannot convince them, and she's just actually petrified of um, of uh, not being able to do the food. And it's feeling it's making her crazy. And, you know, and it's so beautiful. She's just showing me exactly what, you know, the situation is. And that's what it is, you know. And every time I need to one more time let go of another food or another behavior or something, you know, I get crazy too. I just like, oh, God, you want something else? I'm doing all these things. And there's one more thing. And, you know, yes, there is, you know, and I... But what makes me willing to do it is the desperation. I know it's waiting for me out there. And I almost died from this disease. I know it's there. And I'm grateful for Mm -hmm. being on this meeting. Thank you for showing me one more time what is waiting for me because that's what convinces me, what's waiting for me. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Teresa P. So if you haven't shared in the past couple of days and want to share on the third paragraph on page 90, let me have your first name and last initial. Crystal P. Hi, this is Fran M. Okay. okay. Please don't say anything more. There were four names, and uh, I think the fourth, I don't know. I heard Charles. Charles H. Thank you. Fran M. Fran M. Crystal P. Crystal P. Reva P. Reva P. Were you the four? Hopefully you're the four who I heard first. Vasa O. Oh, Vasa O, because I thought I heard Raj, but it was Vasa O. Okay, so I have Fran M., Charles H., Crystal P., I think, Reva P., and Vasa O. Was there anyone else who wanted to share? (laughs) Sorry, I was so tough on you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know, Charles, don't say sorry. But um I was a bit abrupt. Who else wants to share? <laughs> don't be shy. <laughs> Even though I might bite your head off. <laughs> okay. Fran M, Charles M. H. Someone M. Cindy M. Cindy? Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Fran M. Charles H. Crystal. Maybe Reva P, Vasa O, and Cindy M. Great. Fran M, go right ahead. Hi, thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, I've enjoyed your sharing and I love your tone. <laughs> so thank you. Um, yeah, this is a really hard thing, sharing the program, even though it's the, our primary purpose. And I first want to pay homage to the guardian angel I have in this program who always tells me that the best way I can share the program is to live it because I so much want to take a certain member of my family and tell them exactly what to do and how they need to do this program. And that would just make them hate me and rebel against me. And it's so much harder for me to keep my mouth shut and wait till they ask me. And then, even then, I have to be really careful because I don't want to be an example of hypocrisy, like talk the talk, but then show by my impatience or my hostility or my desire to control that I don't really have this step work underway. So I feel anxious about that. The other thing I want to say is 
I don't know, it's, it's very clear in this paragraph, they're not talking about us sending the person away because they're not desperate enough. They're not talking about us saying to the person, are you ready? If you're not ready, go away. I can't help you. Wait till you're good and desperate. It doesn't have that harsh, punitive tone. In fact, it says the family should ask the person if they're serious because the family only wants to have you, the recovered person, come if the person is receptive to it. It doesn't say, I know so many times I hear people say, well, you know, I said to that person, are you desperate? They said, well, maybe they could still have ketchup or something. And I said, well, go away, you know, come back to me when you're really desperate. I don't see that it says that here. They just don't want to they just want to make sure that the family isn't wasting your time so they have the family ask the person. And then I love the tone of the next few graphs because it's never hostile. It's never controlling. It's never telling the person they're not ready or wait and come see you when you're ready. It's always just making it back to telling our story what worked for us. It's so gentle in the sense that it shares by saying, you know, let the person know what you've been up to, like the sprees you went on. You could even laugh about them. When someone is ready, they will know it and come to you. And I thank God for the sponsor I had who allowed me to have 16 years of abstinence by when she said, are you ready? And I said, I don't know. And she said, is there a gallon of ice cream downstairs? And I said, yes, I want to go have it. And she said, well, why don't you go put it away? And I didn't. I went down and had it. But she left the door open. She was so gentle and said, whenever I was ready, I could call her. I called her the next morning, and that began 16 years of abstinence. Now, I don't know if that was defined as me still being high from the sugar or whatnot, but she told me and taught me how to be abstinent. She was always there. She was always gentle. And she never told me what I had to do or had to be. Mm-hmm. She merely told me what worked for her. And I love that because we're people who don't want to be controlled. And when we are given the opportunity to move toward it and reach out toward it and ask for it because the person who's recovered illustrates in bright, shining light how beautiful and loving it is to be a recovered person, then I think we go for it. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Fran M. Charles H. So I'd just like to drill down on the um, the ifs. These four ifs out of the 60-something in this chapter are, are probably four of the most powerful ifs. Um, if he would go to any lengths and do so, if he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you. Um, if he cares to see you, and there's another if in here, but y'all can check that out on your own. Um but I, I, if he wants to quit for good, I want to draw down on this. Everybody on this line is probably over 30, maybe over 20, and everybody don't have the abstinence of this if he would quit for good uh, as, their, as their birth date. So, you know, <laughs> you know, we could sound teachy-ish if we want to, um, but we're human-ish as well. And, you know, the, these are some guidelines that I did bypass early in, in my sponsorship because you know what? Because I had that if and I didn't I don't quit for good. You know, I don't quit for good. You know, I'm just grateful um for the meekness and the instructions in this but I don't do this thing perfect. I don't quit for good. 
I'm 52, and I don't have 52 years of abstinence. And I don't wear my recovery as a badge. I don't act like I'm a teacher, and I don't act like I'm Mother Teresa. But I do highlight and study these ifs, and I do listen more because I get more when I listen. You know, they say a wise person has something to say why the fool always got to say something. You know, my first sponsor always said to me that um, there's two things a compulsive overeater got to worry about, what goes in his mouth and what comes out of his mouth. So if, if I'm if, – if is a condition, if I'm running this big book down somebody's throat and they don't want it, I'm not being a, 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 an effective sponsor. I don't know if I'm a good sponsor, um, but I, I, I do have compassion for the person that wants to want to recover or want to want to quit. I don't know about all that quitting for good because I don't know what's going to happen. I tell you what, I don't know what's going to happen later on today. You know, but halfway through the ninth step is, is, is you know, I'm, if I'm painstaking and, I, and, I'm, and I'm really in a recovered state, I'm thanking God for the grace, right, the unmerited favor of being abstinent and being happy in my abstinence. But I'll, I'll close with this. One thing I know is these ifs are critical. You know, go through this with a recovered sponsor and highlight those ifs and watch these ifs, trans, these conditions transform your life into a beautiful butterfly. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles H. Crystal P., I hope I got it right. Yes, hi, this is Crystal P. Can you hear me? Yes, good morning, Crystal. Morning, this is Crystal P. from Toronto, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I I love this paragraph because it reminds me of when I first came into the program, and um, my willingness to go to any lunch was not just about, you know, putting down the food because I did that. I started working with a sponsor, and I... And I got abstinent and I kept, you know, bringing home all these little key tags of like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you know, and expecting her to pat me on the back. But what I was not doing was actually working the steps. I was working the program like a, like a diet and feeling very proud of myself. I was not following any of her instructions because I thought I knew um, how the program worked and what I had to do. And I was doing the most important part. All the other stuff she was telling me was probably just, optional and I could I could pick from what I thought was important uh, and prioritize accordingly and I'm so grateful because my sponsor uh, what I'm used to is when I do something like that it's like the people in my life they get angry with me they become my police they you know um, they make me feel bad they give me the black dot versus the gold star and I got none of that from her if I did anything right it was just well good for you you know it's um like like you'll get more recovery out of it and if I did if I didn't do the work it was there was no you know there was no policing, but what she did say to me was, listen, you know, you're, you don't seem to be working the steps, and, and that's okay. If you're not ready for it, you know, that's fine. But from my recovery, I need to work with somebody who's, who's willing to work the steps. And so, you know, I, I can't work with you if you're, not, if you're not going to do that. And I'm so grateful because that was such a shock to me that, that I was, in my mind, doing so well, and she was going to fire me. It was such a shock that it really made me hit my rock bottom. And that's when I stopped thinking and I just started following instructions. It was no longer my job to put anything she told me through any kind of mental lens. Just whatever she said, my job was to just get it done. And I'm so grateful because although I was behaving like a child, she treated me like an adult. And every single day, 
in the program, you know, the instructions she gave me when I started program, the willingness I needed to do that stuff is nowhere near the willingness I have to, that I need today to do what the program asks of me because I have to become a different person altogether. And I'm so grateful I can go back to that moment and say, I remember, I am desperate. I, I need this program with every fiber of my being. And so I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And that includes putting down my mind and my ideas and just doing what my sponsor asked me to do. So I'm so grateful that she didn't push me and she didn't reward me for anything because I don't get any extra credit for doing anything right in this program. I don't get any black mark for doing it wrong. I just get to recover. I get a life out of it. And I'm so grateful. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Crystal P. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater, also in Toronto. Um, I thought of um, this paragraph from two perspectives. From my perspective when I first came in and also now as the sponsor. And you know, when I first came in, I love how the sentence says, if he wants to quit for good and, like there's an end there, because there were lots of times I wanted to quit. I'm not sure about quitting for good, um, but there's no way I wanted to go to any extreme because any extreme means going outside my limits, outside my comfort zone. And you know, at the beginning, outside my comfort zone was getting out the door um, when I was tired and it was cold and I don't know, I had 20,000 other things that were better to do and going out to a meeting. and then going to any lengths became having space between food and having three meals a day and nothing in between. And there were times I had to sit on my hands because I was so restless, irritable when I was going through the detox. Um, and that was going to any lengths, waiting for that next meal, making phone calls, using the tools to get me by. And it was all about that food. And then going to any lengths was you know, do, doing the work Um, there are a lot of reasons why I don't want to sit still and get the pen and the paper and sit and write a fourth step. Like I can find a million things to do in the house, um, but sitting on my butt and doing it. And I have to always ask myself today, am I willing to go to any extreme? Am I willing to go to any lengths? And that looks different every day. Um, And it might be something really simple for somebody else, but it might feel like really stretching myself for me. Um, That's always the key question for myself. And I find working with others, you know, I've seen a lot of people who say, yeah, I want to quit for good. Yeah, I'll go to any lengths. Sure, yes. Then I ask them to do something, and we see what happens. And, you know, I can't judge that. This whole paragraph speaks of neutrality, a position of neutrality. You want to recover, great. You don't. That's okay, because I'll still be doing what I need to do for my recovery. So that question at that point at the end, I try to help others. I try to help others. I don't have control over the outcome. And like it was shared, if you recover, great. If you don't, I'll work with somebody else. I'll work with you. Um, I need to focus on you know, what I need to do for my recovery. But no attachment. Um, and that's the beauty of getting to step 12. I don't, I'm not so attached to what happens with others. Um, I just show up, ask God how to use me, and the outcome's not up to me. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Vasa O. Good morning. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. 
I'm Vasa, grateful recover compulsive reader calling from Florida. And I'm just so grateful for the person that Mahaya put in my life that brought me in the program. And uh, she 12 stepped me for about a week, told me a little bit about the steps and about her story with the food addiction and stuff. And I had the gift of desperation at that time. And I was just so willing and I was so ready to hear the message in the first edition, what the hundred um, men and women did to recover. I didn't want to die. Nobody had to convince me. I knew, you know, I had been struggling with the food addiction for many years. I didn't even know what they called it addiction. I just loved to eat. And uh, I tried to put it down many, 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 many times and failed, and this was my last stop. And uh, I remember her saying, are you willing to go to any length? Quit forever. For me, I could not promise to quit forever, but I could promise I could do it for one day, one meal at a time. I just felt so overwhelmed. I couldn't even imagine putting certain things that I, my addictive uh, foods down forever, but I could do it one day at a time. And uh, and if I did good the day before, she said, well, do it again today. And I started feeling so good physically. So she was firm. She was a very gentle sponsor. And when she needed to be a little firm with me, and that was okay because I needed her to be like that. And I want to do like the same, pretty much the same as she did, but I've done also a lot of mistakes over the years. That's why I do what I'm doing. I work the steps to the best of my ability. I'm just so grateful I was ready to put the food down and then work the rest of the steps the way they are laid out. And there's a reason the way they are laid out. And um, and that's the way I want to do. You know, I don't. This is I don't do it perfectly, and I don't expect anybody else to do it perfectly. The only thing she told me, just give give it away. I don't need. I don't want nothing from you. Just put it, give it, pass it on to others, and that's what I do. And some people are ready, and they are not ready. And I pray for them, and I just say, well, come back. We are here with open arms waiting for you. But I keep coming. I keep coming and um, do the best that I can with whatever I can. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Cindy M. Good morning. This is Cindy M. from Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Um, I can't call myself recovered right now, but um, I can say I'm on the way. Um, when I, excuse me, when I first came to this program, I really didn't have any idea what OA was. And, um, I, um, I just knew that I kept trying to diet and, uh, had found myself that I couldn't stay on the diet I had been able to do before. Um, I couldn't do it for one day, but, um, being completely ready, um, I did, I thought I was completely ready, but <clears throat> I had a lot of arguing left to do. And um, so uh, for the first few years, I just kind of kept losing sponsors. And um, the 
the good part about that was that I never felt personally offended by those people. They somehow were gentle enough and somehow God was working in my life enough so that I didn't take it like I was a bad person. Um, and, and, you know, I was like, okay, well, <clears throat> all right, let's, okay, I got to go. I'll, I'll see what I can do. And then I would struggle around for a little while and then I would get a new sponsor. <clears throat> I, um, I, that's all part of my experience. And, I was as ready as I could be for that time, and I've gradually gotten more and more willing to go to any length. And um, I'm I'm doing I'm in my um, fourth step right now, and um, you know it's not an easy thing to look at your fears, uh, you know, with um, bravery. And um, but you know I have. I have you all, I can make phone calls, I can, um, you know, when I feel uncomfortable, I can do what I have to do, which is to make a phone call, or pray, or meditate, or, you know, there's so many things I can do. Listening to these meetings every day, I just hear such hope. I'm so, I, I know that, you know, I can get where you guys are. Um, I just keep working. And right now, my abstinence is very easy. I know that I can have foods. And today, I'm willing to go to any lengths to not eat those foods. And I'm not tempted to eat them. Um, and and it really is a miracle. But it really has taken me a, a journey, not just a, you know, I wasn't one of these people that was instantly struck abstinent. I wasn't one of these people who <laughs> just got it. And I... So I, I'm grateful that I've been able to take the time to, um, to you know, be on my journey, to do it a little bit at a time till I'm, you know, got to be more and more and more ready. And um, so it's been, it's been really good, and I've gotten to help other people. So anyway, thank you for listening, and I hope you all have a great day. Thank you, Cindy M. Does someone want to share for two minutes? Or one minute now. <laughs> Linda D. I'll, I'll let you have it, Linda D. Go. <laughs> Morning, everybody. I'm recovered in Connecticut, and that's a miracle. Um, I have um, six years and a, little, a couple months uh, out of uh, almost 40 years, and I've done every mistake in the book, and I'll tell you what I know. Not much. I'm learning from you because this disease and this recovery process has evolved. When I came in, the information was not as good, but I did have the big book and I had desperation. So I'm learning through you how to sponsor. And I know this, I've been to many, many funerals. This is not a country club addiction. This is life and death. I'm, I haven't been the person that died yet. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I don't cling to this design for living, it's a whole lifestyle, and learn it, and I am, I will never get there. And there is really, really wonderful. I love being recovered. I love being abstinent. Is it easy? Yeah and no. I'm going to feel lots. Too bad. I'm a grown-up, and I have to do it. 
because I want what's on the other side, which is peace and love. I love you all and thank you for listening and for being there. I pass. Oh, thanks, Linda G., for closing us out and keeping it short. Um, Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Monday, February 17, 2020, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 14,129. That's 14129. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will do, L. please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Do L. Morning, Rebecca. <laughs> Trying to get this page. Morning. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to you to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you surely will meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you unto death.